0: This is Geek Gab with your host Brian and me. Daddy Warping we are back. That's right Geek Gab for Saturday August 13th, 2016. This is episode 64 all about the Dragon Awards. But before we get into the main part of the show, we just want to announce if in case you haven't heard actor Kenny Baker has passed away at the age of 83 kenny baker best known for portraying r2d2 inside the little metal suit for the original star wars and all of the movies since then also known for being one of my favorite roles fidget on time bandits and another number of movies uh, passed away at the age of 83 today, so uh, condolences to his friends and family. 2016, once again, rolls on the bloody, bloody year of
1: death. Other than that, how was your week, Brian? My week was phenomenal. And I think we're going to get into why is the main topic of the show. Okay. Anything else other than that? Oh, yeah, I've been been busy. Been working on the sequel to Soul Dancer, uh, titled The Secret Kings, Soul Cycle Book Three, gonna be coming out uh, hopefully by Christmas. And I've also been working on another top secret project that hopefully I will be able to tell everybody about soon. Excellent.
0: Uh, my week has gone pretty much the way it normally does hmm. only thing really notable this week is i've been watching batman the animated series um as well as house i went online and found a uh, if you ever watch batman the animated series like the original animated series from 1990 the episodes were produced and broadcast in non-chronological order so they jump around in the batman timeline Um, So you might have an episode early on that was uh, set way late in his career. In fact, the very first episode featured Man-Bat, which was very late in his career. And then, you know, you might have an episode, like 20 episodes in, where Commissioner Gordon had just barely gotten the Bat signal. So someone went through and tried to categorize all the episodes and put them in in roughly chronological order, like, okay, well, in this episode... It obviously is very, very early because Commissioner Gordon is still really uncomfortable with Batman's appearing and disappearing. So obviously that's really, really early. And then all of the episodes featuring gangsters and stuff are, are stuck early. And then gradually they start ramping up supervillains coming in. And then the more scientifically incredible supervillains coming in and things like that. So I went through my Batman the Animated Series episodes I have access to and I've been watching it in this order and it's been pretty interesting so far i've only watched about 11 episodes but i've quite enjoyed watching it in this order it gives you kind of a feel of how a uh, batman's career developed over the years and it's uh the guy did a pretty good job at least so far again i've only watched 11 of the like 60 something episodes so i can't say it's the most definitive version but it's uh, been very interesting so far
1: i'd love to do that i remember there being an episode where there was a flashback to uh, where Batman had the old style bat suit and the old style Batmobile, and I think it was wondering he had to get the Batmobile replaced, and it was kind of the backstory on the Batmobile. So it'd be interesting to see where he fits that episode in.
0: See, I think he, he made note of like, well, flashbacks from this episode or from like the movie. They did a two hour uh, movie about oh. um, one of the villains. He says, well, flashbacks for this episode or that episode fit in here. So if you really wanted to watch it in order, you could go and watch those flashbacks and put them in here. But um, so he may he probably had mentioned yeah. that in this write up somewhere. Nice.
1: I'll have to watch that. Yeah. Um, I love how there are all these fan curated projects like, um, you know, star Wars revisited and, and the Batman, the animated series. It's really fascinating.
0: Did I tell you about the alternate cut of the Hobbit?
1: Yeah, I've seen, it. I think I know what you're talking about. There, there are a few of them, right?
0: Yeah. There are, there are a couple of them. Um, this one, the guy titled there and back again.
1: Yeah. I've seen that. Oh, so much better. It's phenomenal. It's actually a good movie. Well, of course, there there is one good 90-minute movie hiding under all the accretions in, in those three bloated Hobbit movies. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that might be a good time to talk about the the letter by the former, former uh, Warner Brothers staffer that's been going around that he retweeted.
0: A legend, former Warner Brothers all staffer. We don't know huh? for sure. Right, right. They just—they just excoriate the Sony current CEO of Sony for being, you know, terrible and stupid and stupid and terrible and terrible and stupid, which they are.
1: Or is it Warner Brothers? Or did Sony buy them now? Oh, I'm sorry.
0: It's uh, Warner Brothers. Apologies.
1: Okay. No, no, that's fine. But I love how she says, "Yeah, Peter Jackson phones it in, and some production assistant has to come up with Plan B for his house payment." <laughs>
0: I mean, and they listed all these projects that were terrible. Jupiter Ascending, Get Hard, Heart Pursuit, Max, Vacation, Pan, Point Break. I mean, I haven't seen, I don't know that I've, I've even heard of most of those other than Point Break and Jupiter Ascending. That's how terrible they were. Is I didn't even heard of them. Yeah. Uh-uh. And the rumors are Wonder Woman is a hot mess. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's it's certainly possible they've they've been doing everything they can to ruin all the DC movies.
1: Yeah, I mean, Zack Snyder had some promise. Turned in a couple movies with with potential, but hey, it's just baffling how he just keeps being given second and third and eighth chances when Yeah, I mean, if he was working fast food, and, and he burned the fries this many times, he would be gone.
0: I, I think Zack Snyder did three incredible movies. I thought mm-hmm. he did three incredible movies. Okay. I loved his 2004 Dawn of the Dead.
1: Right. Agreed.
0: 300 was was just incredible. It was mm-hmm. an awesome movie. Um, and then his Watchmen movie was about as amazing as you could get, putting the Watchmen on the screen. Plus the plot in the Watchmen movie made about a thousand percent more sense than the plot of the actual comic itself.
1: See that one's controversial because there are people who hate Zack Snyder's Watchmen with the fiery hatred. I'm
0: I'm I'm not talking about the plot as far as the writerly plot. I'm talking about the villains plot, what he is planning on doing as a villain makes about 1,000% more sense in right. the movie than the telepathic squid creature from the comics.
1: No, I agree. I enjoyed Zack Snyder's Watchmen movie, and I completely agree with you on you know, the villain plan. Um,
0: and then the Sucker Punch movie is five incredible fight scenes that need good movies around them. Um, and a bad movie wrapped around five incredible fight scenes. Uh, I mean, just five stupendously awesome fight scenes that need full movies built around those individual fight scenes. Um, he knows how to, I mean, every time I see that world war one tunnel fighting with undead monsters and Mecca, I think, wow. If you could make a whole movie where that made sense, that might be a great movie because that's a great sequence. Um, but the movie as a whole is just is is it makes absolutely no sense at all, no sense at all. And everybody who tries to make sense of the movie has a different answer because it is impossible to make sense of that movie on any level whatsoever. You cannot make coherent logical sense of the movie um
1: okay and i haven't seen it send a pretty extensive reviews and that that jives up what you're saying
0: have you watched sucker punch have you seen the movie no okay Then You just have to take my word for it. It's impossible to make logical sense of the movie. Whereas
1: You're not the only one saying that, so I believe you. (laughs) Whereas if you take something... Because there are people who allege that you
0: can make perfect sense of Sucker Punch, but every single one who alleges that makes a different movie out of it. Which indicates to me that none of them know really what's going on.
1: It's just like when you get people to come up with theories for various David Lynch movies. Like... Like Lost Highway, which I actually do believe, just is a straight, coherent narrative. It's just um, it's told starting in the middle, and it kind of wraps around. Like there's a there's a story I heard from a, a movie buff friend of mine. So again, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But that uh, Lynch was agonizing over the Lost Highway script, and he stopped into a local dive bar, you know, near the studio to try to work on it. And it was literally sketching out an outline on a cocktail napkin. And, you know, this random bar fly next to him looked over. was like, hey, what you doing? And he explained, i am trying to write this movie script. I just can't get the story to work. He's like, oh, yeah, let me see. He picks up the napkin, stares at it for about 30 seconds. He's like, oh, here's what you need to do. And then folded it into a tube so that the ending and the beginning touched. <laughs> and the story goes that Lynch just stared at it picked up his and the guy's tab, went back home and finished the movie.
0: <laughs> I have no idea if that's true. I've never heard that before. <laughs> oh, um, I'm
1: going to bring something new. Yeah.
0: But Zack Snyder is an amazing, awesome visual director. He absolutely is a master at putting emotion and images on the screen, and he's very imaginative. He just should not be allowed anywhere near the writer's desk they should just smack him across the face whenever he gets near the riders they they should have literally like squads of soldiers with bayonets on the ends of their rifles protecting the riders from him and they should tell him no stay away and they'll say when well, i've got this cool idea for a plot twist and they smack him again and say no stay away
1: yeah he, so you're basically saying he's in the same category as george lucas
0: no, because George Lucas is... is Well, are you talking about modern George Lucas or old George Lucas?
1: Modern George Lucas.
0: Modern George Lucas is fat and lazy. Um, he just... Whereas modern Zack Snyder is a hard-working director. He just has some bizarre ideas and he doesn't have anybody to... He works his ass off. He just doesn't seem to pare out, pare down his ideas.
1: Okay, um, started a... Challenge him, and perhaps that is the CEO's fault.
0: Well, yeah, and, and I, I blame every every single executive at Warner Brothers because they let bad things go and they ruin good things. And nobody at Warner Brothers seems to have a clue what to do creatively with their properties. They, they need a Kevin Fagg is what they need. And they don't know where to find one, which is fine because they're really rare in Hollywood. I can't think of another Kevin Fagg in Hollywood who else could yeah. do what Kevin Fagg has done. Honestly.
1: Uh, the only guy I can think of is possibly Dino De Laurentiis, but uh, that ship has sailed.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, and even even like Roger Corman wasn't trying to build a coherent universe out of stuff. He was just making a hell of a lot of movies. <laughs> Including the only
1: good Fantastic Four movie. Yeah. <laughs> By accident. Over a weekend.
0: Um, <laughs> it's just, it's terrible. He's such a brilliant director and he knows how to get evocative um, performances out of his stars. I mean, if you go back and look at 300 or Watchmen, except in the cases where he's actually cast a bad actress or actor in a part, he knows how to get performances out of people.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and he knows how to put together striking visuals. It's just that he has these story ideas and these um, decisions, these world-building decisions that are absolutely wonky and, and that kill that will continue to poison the DC, uh, I'm calling it the expanded universe now, or the extended universe, or whatever. They're going to poison it for years
1: to come. Oh, oh yeah, we're going to have to wait after the dust settles. It's going to have to be another 10 years before they can make another standalone Superman movie. I mean, it's, it's going to do with the quest for peace.
0: <laughs> well, like, Metropolis and Gotham being suburbs of each other? <sighs> what the hell is that about? That's a terrible decision. Um, and, and I know you've re- you read the same blog post I did.
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, Raleigh I'm Mianzi, Wolf. is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, I may not have read Rawls, who I was talking to earlier, but I read the one by um, Person of Wolfness.
0: Oh, maybe that's the, maybe that's the blog post I'm thinking of. Is it of? the Gotham oh,
1: versus Metropolis? Yeah. Like how it should be. Yeah, I think, that, I think that was him. Because um, the wolf guy. Yeah.
0: Yes, person of wolfness. Sorry, my apologies. I'm sorry. That That's the blog post I meant. About the differences between Gotham and, and Metropolis. But that's why they can't be... Um, and I'll let you go into that blog post in just a second so the audience knows what we're talking about. Right. That's why they, yeah. they can't be suburbs of each other because they're supposed to be two completely different cities. Superman is the man of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And Metropolis is in many ways supposed to be the city of Metro- uh, of tomorrow. It's supposed to be this bright gleaming metropolis you know i mean and yes you have street crime and stuff but it is absolutely not the top to bottom corrupt city that gotham is um gotham is very very much and i I know this isn't what they intended gotham to be when they first created it, when Bob Kane and his uh, other co-creators made it back in the 1930s, but it has become basically Chicago where everybody from the mayor on down is corrupt and is in bed with the mob or some other corrupt organization. Uh, Illinois' politics is notoriously corrupt across the entire state. The city is corrupt from top to bottom and they still have a daily as the mayor or did up until fairly recently. And that is the most infamous machine still surviving. And so, um, and the fact they had a series about it that was so infamous, that uh, starred Kelsey Grammer that was on Showtime, that when that was a great series that got cut short after two seasons because president Obama was coming up as has been president for a couple of years. They cut it off because it shined a a bad light on the Illinois uh, politics that he came out of. And so that's what Gotham has to be. And I can't remember the name of that series. I apologize. If I could remember the name of the um, series, But it's about the mayor of Chicago and how much power he has and how corrupt he is and how corrupt all these other aldermen and how these other um, politicians are and how in bed with the mafia they are and how in bed the whole state organization is. And that's what Gotham is, because that's what Gotham has to be. Uh, But. Metropolis is that gleaning city of tomorrow, and they can't be suburbs of each other. It's just a stupid decision.
1: It is, and, and I can wholeheartedly second what you said, because I, I don't care who knows it. I'm in Illinois right now. I'm talking to you from the People's Republic of, of Illinois, <laughs> and it, it's interesting that uh, Gotham is turning into Chicago's. Chicago turns into Baghdad. But, <laughs> no, seriously. Um, yeah, Bradford. Walker in the chat correctly pointed out that everyone outside of Cook County, Illinois hates Cook County, Illinois. And I I often have tried to start the petition to dig the moat or just start at the Lake Michigan shoreline, just dig a big trench all the way around Cook County, kind of just kick it off in Lake Michigan and forcibly force it to secede from Illinois. And that would make Illinois a red state overnight.
0: The show was called Boss, and it was on the Stars Network. And it lasted for two seasons and it was a brilliantly done show, impeccably acted, just absolutely incredible. Um, And it very much showed that corrupted side of Chicago.
1: Yeah. And I I think the trend started when Nolan decided to shoot here for Dark Knight because most of Dark Knight was shot in Chicago.
0: Well, I'll I'll be honest. I always thought that Gotham was supposed to represent Chicago just because of the mob. Um, And and I know that back in the 1930s, New York City was the mob town. I mean, and that's what The Godfather is all about, right? And even up into the 1980s, you had um, Gotti and the five crime families and all that stuff. But it it always seemed more Chicago to me than Metropolis. Metropolis always seemed like New York, and Gotham always seemed like Chicago to me when I was a kid.
1: Well, I mean, you're talking to a guy who actually had a relative back in the 30s, who was murdered by the mob and found butchered in a dumpster in Chicago. So you know where of you speak. It's, uh, yeah, it's because the Chicago outfit was a different animal than like the five families of New York. And we could get into that at another point, but yeah, it it is more like the way that the mob is portrayed in Gotham city. I mean, look at like the, uh, the meeting of the crime families, at the beginning of Dark Knight, right? It's very cosmopolitan, you know, it's- Yeah. Yeah, that, that is definitely more like Chicago style, organized crime and politics. But uh, yeah, I I remarked on Twitter that uh, Wolfman's blog post was the best write up on Metropolis and Gotham that I had read since the DC Heroes third edition source book where DC brought in some of their biggest talent like Daniel O'Neill and like Neil Gaiman to fill in some of the the background material for the game setting. And there's an essay on Gotham and an essay on Metropolis. And at least at this point in time, circa 1993 when the book came out, came out around about the time of the death and return of Superman, the editorial take on those two cities is that Gotham is basically like the the megalopolis that New Jersey never had. It's like if Chicago had been relocated to Jersey. And then Metropolis is based more on Toronto, Canada.
0: Gotham is blue-collar crime. Metropolis yeah. is white-collar. Gotham is dirty and dark. Metropolis is gleaming and white. And both of them have street crime, but Gotham is a lot darker and more personal and mobbed up. It's a lot more gothic, which is appropriate for the name. Yeah, oh, here said, we
1: go. But real, really quick, Bradford says, Gotham is New York City at night. Metropolis is New York City in the daytime. Yeah. But, but go ahead, go on.
0: No, that, that was it. I mean, you just have to look at the respective... You know, rogues' galleries for for Batman and Superman. Gotham is very much a, a low-powered city. It's it's street-level crime. It's not a Superman. You don't need Superman to patrol Gotham. Um, right. So, all right. But, but the, but the point, bringing this back to the original point, which is that one decision to put Gotham and Metropolis across the bay from each other ruined Metropolis, ruined Gotham, and it's going to be a bad decision that Zack Snyder made, which is going to haunt the DC EU for uh, until they decide to reboot the whole smash. Yeah. Um, so, whereas Marvel has been making good decision after good decision, as far as, uh, or at least not terrible decisions uh, outside of Agents of Suck. Um, as far as their properties go. And you'll notice that the movies do everything they can to ignore Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pretends it's in the same continuity as the movies <laughs> and tries to link into them, but the movies ignore Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as much as possible. They've I, never I, once acknowledged <laughs> the existence of it.
1: You know, just Whedon has gone to the record of saying, nah, <laughs> I'm just going to forget about that. <laughs> um,
0: and, and that's because uh, Melissa Tinker Rowan and, and Jeb Whedon, is that his name, Um, they're, they're terrible. They, they just, they make bad decisions. They make worse decisions than Zack Snyder, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, he's made a bunch of bad decisions that are a bad foundation for the entire DC extended universe. And it's going to haunt them for years to come. All right, let's move on to the Dragon Awards, which... (laughs) Alyssa, okay. uh, do you have any other final comments about that?
1: No, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Let's get on to the dragons.
0: Um, so rather than discussing like absolutely everything, what were the highlights of uh, the nominees of the dragons? Are there anything that you... Uh, or, or just what were your overall impressions of the nominees? The dragon awards, yeah. by the way, are uh, the awards for DragonCon, which were just announced uh, last week. Were announced, what, five, six days ago? And uh, voting is now open. You can go and register and vote. Um, And there are 14, 15 categories, including uh, best sci-fi fantasy miniatures collectible card role-playing games, best sci-fi fantasy board games, mobile games, PC console games, movies, TV series, graphic novels, comic book, horror novel, apocalyptic history, fantasy novel, uh, young adult middle grade novel, fantasy novel, and science fiction novel. I took those in reverse order because I just wanted to show you that they fully support all things Fanish. Whereas that other award, the older award, the Sock just Award, banned video games, even though video games technically met. The requirements for best associated work, they banned anyone who nominated them this year. Never announced that they were going to do so, they just decided to do it, which meant all of my nominations for... I nominated, by the way, Fallout 4 for Hugo this year, they just decided all arbitrarily to ban it. So if you want to talk about an award that is in line with what real fans, what media, real fans are really watching are really consuming really love the award that allows you to vote for fantasy board games collectible card miniature role-playing games console games mobile games movies tv shows that's the award that really represents what the fans love whereas the award that decides to shit all over video games doesn't I bet you money, and I don't. you'll be a sucker to take me up on this, but if you want to, I'll happily take your money, any amount you want to name. I bet you money more people play Fallout 4 than have ever read the novel that wins for best novel for the Hugos this year.
1: Oh, without a doubt, and that's my take on it. Really, what? First of all, it was interesting just locate the low key way they're doing this. Because remember when the higos were announced with all the, the pomp and circumstance, and you know the the live streams and the the Twitter feeds and whatnot. And <laughs> the first I heard of the, the Dragon Awards coming, the, uh, the the actual voting process opening was on Thursday night. I opened up my email and said, "Here's your Dragon ballot." Like, oh, I almost forgot about that. Open it up. Oh, I'm on it. Very nice. Yeah, they gave me no heads up that I was a nominee. <laughs> Those are great. But, uh, so yeah, Soul Answers is nominated for Best Horror Novel.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Uh, even though the predecessor in Ethereal is partially set in hell, yeah, this one's scarier. By <laughs> and also, it means I, I got to thank uh, Russell Newquist my good uh, buddy and fellow author and publisher out there who uh, made me amend my blog post announcing that Soul Dancer was eligible. It's like, no, you do not want to slot it into the fantasy or sci-fi category because it'll be up against John C. Wright and Larry. Go for yeah. horror. Yeah. It's like, oh, and, and
0: yeah. um, Jim Butcher's uh, Aeronauts Windless. That was a tough one in best fantasy novels. Son of the Black Sword and the uh, Aeronauts Windless, Butcher versus Korea. I, I honestly don't remember which one I voted for right now. So I remember I had, was going yeah. back and forth between those two.
1: Hey, Dornall is in the chat. Hey, Dornall. <laughs>
0: um, best sci-fi and fantasy PC console game? There was Overwatch, Dish Dungeon, Metal Gear Solid Five, Fallout Four, XCOM Two, Undertale. I mean, these are fairly representative of what real fans would vote for. Um, best sci-fi fantasy movie, Ant-Man, Captain America, Civil War, Crimson Peak, which I didn't see, The Martian, Deadpool, Star Wars, Episode 7, The Force Awakens. I saw all of those except Crimson Peak. Um, sci-fi fantasy TV series, uh, Dead, Daredevil, Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, Outlander, The Flash, Jessica Jones, Expanse. Um, <laughs> Look, I here, mean,
1: here's my takeaway. Yeah, go,
0: go, go ahead these awards clearly represent mm-hmm. what fans really watch what fans really read just read through them and these really do represent what the fans of science fiction and fantasy not the capital f fans but what real fans watch and
1: read yeah the, the dragon ballot alone has definitively nuked the Chorf argument that the Hugos in any way represented the will of greater fandom. Just this is what you get when you have an actual People's Choice Award and let anyone vote. Yeah. Okay. And look how much it look how closely it resembles the sad puppies reading list. Like it's almost yep. verbatim. And <laughs> it's not because the sad puppies rigged the dragon somehow. That would have been far beyond our power. It's because the puppies were right. About They were telling the truth the whole time about wanting the awards to reflect the popular zeitgeist. And surprise, surprise, when DragonCon actually opens up an award to let anyone vote, that's what you get.
0: Yep. I'm excited for the Dragons. I'm happy. It is not an award that's designed to allow a small click to control it. It is the Anti-Click Award. It is not an award that's designed to be just a captive of a teeny tiny audience of a, you know, 4,000 people at one, you know, dying ring of conventions. It is truly a fan award by the real fans of science fiction to fantasy. These are not people who spent 20 years talking to each other these are the people who really read science fiction, really you know, go to science fiction movies, really play science fiction and fantasy video games. These are real people in the real world who don't have to sit around telling each other how much better they are because they're the ones who really love science fiction and fantasy. These are the people yeah. who just do love it. They don't have to stroke their own egos about how much they love it and how much better they are than other people because they do.
1: And you know what? There's There's some... SJW picks on there. There's some stuff that's popular with the chorfs, and that's fine because they are a part of this whole big tent. But sure, they if you look at it, it's like one every other category. You'll have like an NK Jemison or an Ann Lucky or a Scalzi who apparently is accused himself. Smart move. But that's their actual. I mean, sorry guys, that's your actual actual proportion. You now have represent representation. Proportionate to your actual population and fandom. There you go. But, you know, you're at the table. Can't really complain.
0: Yeah, you can no longer dominate all the awards. You
1: can be at the table, but you can't try to run it. Yep. And that's fine. Let me bring your A game. We'll, you know, we'll do business. I'm ready for you. So,
0: very excited about the dragons. Yeah. Very excited to see who wins. Um, and... uh
1: I just I want know. to say thanks to all my readers who found me worthy of a nomination. I was not expecting this at all. I I appreciate it, and I appreciate it so much that um, Soul Dancer is now half price in the Kindle store, and I also went ahead and enrolled it in Kindle Unlimited, so you can download it for free if you use on Prime or Kindle Unlimited. So there you go.
0: And, and this is something that... Uh... Anonmi brings up in the chat, which is great. Um, The Dragon Awards are all about writing good stuff. It's not about who you sit next to at a convention uh, as that anecdote by Stephen King talked about. Yeah. So, all right. Any, uh, any last thoughts, Brian? Well,
1: again, thank you to all the readers. I'm glad that authors and readers are finally having fun at awards time again. Yay. And congratulations to, all my fellow nominees, including N.K. Jemison and Anne Lucky and John Scalzi, but especially John C. Wright, Nick Cole, Larry Correa, Jim Butcher, Declan Finn, uh, Marina Fontaine. I know I'm forgetting some people. Yeah, just congratulations, everybody! You know you, you earned it. Your readers put you there, fair and square. To the victor go the spoils.
0: Uh, my last thought is I just want to say, thank the Dragon Awards for uh, starting real awards for real fans um, and moving beyond the time when a small clique of people could claim to be representing everybody in the world while trying to exclude everybody in fandom except for themselves. All right, folks, this has been Geek Gab for Saturday, August 13, 2016. Thanks uh, everybody for tuning in. For those of you who turned in live to the chat, thanks for showing up. For those of you who are getting us later via, uh, oh, iTunes or uh, the Google Play. By the way, we are officially on Google Play. People have subscribed successfully to that, so you can search for Geek Gab on Google Play and subscribe to our podcast there. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud. You can subscribe to us through the iTunes Store. Just search for Geek Gab, or of course, you can come to our homepage on YouTube. And the URL for that is is period that is is dot good slash gab. We're here about once a week, barring, you know, acts of God and sickness.
1: Uh, um, one more thing. One more thing. Thanks I need for to
0: turning me. in, folks. We are uh, signing out for tonight, but don't
1: worry, we will be back. Shout out to Stoic Rider.